me ask you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And I want to thank uh, everyone that was involved with our Thanksgiving lunch on Tuesday. Once again, we served several hundred from uh, our community, those uh, uh, elderly and those with special needs. And for some, it was the only Thanksgiving meal they had. And we had uh, just an awful lot of uh, volunteers. It's always a, a great day at St. Andrew's, so thank you. And I know if you were here, you, you don't need thanks because it's such a blessing to uh, be able to take part in that. And I want to th thank our bells, too. I, as I was sitting there watching them, um, it, it was good you expressed your appreciation uh, because that, that is so hard to do. You should see the music that they have. And uh, I, I learned how hard it was on one of our trips to Ukraine when uh, it, we did a music and arts camp and I was part of our church's little bell choir over there and uh, played the tone chimes and uh, you saw all of the the notes that they did and how many bells they handled. I was responsible for middle C. Just, <laughs> just, just one. And it was all the pressure I could take to, to do that. So when I, when I see uh, them doing this, it's, uh, it's amazing to me. Before Thanksgiving, we had our annual dessert theater. And we had just a, a wonderful uh, three sold-out nights of the presentation of Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And uh, I, I love that story. And I'm glad we did it at the beginning of Advent. I have loved that story ever since I was a kid. I've, I've seen it uh, in movies, uh, numerous movies, the old ones, the new ones, the musicals, and all of those. I, I've seen it in uh, uh, a number of other plays. Uh, even cartoons, uh, of course, the classic Scrooge McDuck, which uh, gives basically the same story. And Mr. Magoo, for those of you that are older, uh, you, you might remember him. Ebenezer Scrooge uh, is, of course, a main character in that. And the narrator brings this as the introduction. I want us to, to meet Ebenezer Scrooge, and I think this is uh, the way to do that. The narrator described him, oh, but he was a tight-fisted old man, Ebenezer Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner, hardened sharp as a flint but which no steel had ever struck out generous fire. Secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster, the cold within him made his eyes red and his thin lips blue. And he carried winter with him wherever he went. Nobody ever stopped him on the street to gladly say, My dear Scrooge, how are you? 
Even the blind men's dogs seemed to know Ebenezer Scrooge. When they saw him coming, would pull their owners off the street and out of his grasp. But what did Scrooge care? It was the very thing he liked. He was wealthy, and he was miserable, even if he didn't recognize how miserable he was. He treated people badly, and he didn't understand how anyone who was without money could have happiness. In fact, in an opening scene, we see him talking to his nephew. Scrooge says, Merry Christmas, what right have you to be merry? What reason have you to be merry? You're poor enough. And his nephew says, come then, what right have you to be dismal? What right have you to be morose? You're rich enough. So there it is. The name Scrooge has be- become uh, more than just that one character, but it's a caricature. And it is such a, a, a classic character that if you call somebody a Scrooge, they know what you're talking about, don't they? The reality is, nobody wants to admit that they're materialistic. Okay, how many of you got up at 4 a.m. on Friday in order to go shopping or maybe even Thursday night after eating dinner said, I need to go shopping. Now, I'm not accusing you because some of you are squirming. I, I didn't mean that, you know. It's not time to squirm yet, okay? I'm not accusing you of being materialistic if you did that. But you know what? the stores think you are because they are convinced that if they offer you some kind of a deal, you will interrupt even one of the more precious family holidays in order to go for that deal. Even in our country where materialism runs rampant, Few want to be known that way. Facts are facts. Jesus not only talked to people in his day that would have been categorized as Scrooges, but he talks to people in our day and saw that this passage was preserved for us. So, Today and in the next several weeks, we're going to interact a little bit with Ebenezer Scrooge, only in a small way. Our focus, as always, is going to be upon the Scripture. But I don't want you to be surprised that if the words from the Bible that would speak to Scrooge also speak to you. Most of us, when we watch A Christmas Carol... 
we would tend to identify with uh, Scrooge's uh, generous and benevolent nephew or even Bob Cratchit. That's who we would think, oh, that's, we're more like that. But dare I suggest that there may be a little bit of Scrooge in all of us? And if that's the case, it's an area for repentance in us as well. So let's listen to the words from Jesus in Matthew 6, beginning with verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye of, is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Father, as we consider these teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, will you apply them to our heart, to that part of our heart where we would hide uh, our Scrooge-like tendencies, will you cause your Spirit to reveal those things to us and help us to hear Jesus through his Word, by your Spirit, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mr. Scrooge, you have chosen the wrong kind of treasure. That, I believe, is the first thing that we see here because of these truths of Christ. You have chosen the wrong kind of treasure. Matthew six nineteen. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, for, for Scrooge, there was really only one kind of treasure. And it had to do with money. And it had to do with money that he kept for himself. If you mention treasure, that's what he would have thought of in his mind. I'm convinced. And yet, Jesus would teach us there are other kinds of treasures. And would say to us, if our, if our view is anything like Scrooge's, would say, 
you've chosen the wrong kind as well. It's the wrong kind because the treasure you've chosen is temporary and fragile. That's one thing that makes it the wrong kind of treasure. Uh, now, I've never had, uh, we've never had our home broken into. I've had uh, an, an office broken into in my previous church and some things stolen and uh, our church has been broken into here. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, it's just a weird feeling when that, when that happens. But I've been with enough people in churches that I've served who have had their homes broken into where I have heard a common phrase, if not this exact term, but something similar, I felt violated. Someone was in my place, going through my things, and I felt violated. That has to do with things. Jesus is reminding us how safe our things are. By the way, those of you that, that have retirement, let me ask you, how safe is that? You remember a few years back where people lost 40 and 50% of their retirement. There was nothing that could be done about it. So if your things or your retirement, if those are, are where your hope is, you are in for a disappointment and you're in for a shock at some point in your life. And then further, these words of Jesus teach us it's the wrong kind of treasure because your heart will never be content with treasure that you have chosen. And I want to jump over to Ecclesiastes chapter 5 to talk about this. Your heart will never be content with the treasure you've chosen. This is probably Solomon. We went through this book several years ago. And in Ecclesiastes 5, beginning with verse 10, he says this, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor uh, he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. So here is someone who has wealth, who is saying, look, I, I, I've got it, and I can tell you that it will not bring satisfaction. It is empty. Now, I know, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, I'd like to try. <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to be on that side, and then I'll, I'll confirm if that's the case, okay? But he's telling us because he is there. I, I've, I've told you before about the USA Today survey, and this was some years ago, so the numbers probably changed a little bit, where they surveyed people, and uh, people said, if I just had eight to $10,000 more, then I, I, I would be able to live comfortably. 
And the interesting thing to me about that survey was that it didn't matter what your income level was, everybody said the same thing. If I just had eight to $10,000 more, then I would live comfortably. Listen to some who have been there like Solomon. Some millionaires from the past that maybe in our day would be billionaires. John Jacob Astor said, I am the most miserable man on earth. John D. Rockefeller Sr. I've made millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Andrew Carnegie, millionaires seldom smile. Henry Ford, I was happier when I was doing a mechanic's job. Solomon goes on, Solomon who had uh, an incredible wealth, And he says this in verse 11 and 12, the worries and the hassle that wealth brings. Verse 11, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Solomon says this basically, uh, more money equals more people, more people is more worries, and more worries is less sleep. And that's what he experienced. One more, W.H. Vanderbilt said, the care of $2 million is enough to kill anyone. There is no pleasure in it. Here's another reason why it won't bring pleasure, because you either lose it or leave it behind. This is what Solomon said in verse 13 of that passage. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by the owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is a father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. See, in in a Christmas story, Marley never got that. And Scrooge needed to understand that. And then, I think this, back to the Matthew passage, the words of Christ would say to Scrooge, you have chosen the wrong place to store up your treasures. The wrong treasure, kind of treasure, and the wrong place to store them. Verse 20, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what does it mean? We always hear this. What's it mean to store up your treasures in heaven well first of all it's it's possessing Christ and being possessed by him that's where it has to start it is people sharing Christ it is giving toward the kingdom it is using gifts of the spirit that God gives to you 
and using them not just for yourself, but using them for others. All of those things that, that I've just said show how opposite the kingdom is from the kingdom of this world. So, he would go on and say, there's a safer place to lay up your treasures, verse 20 and 21. That place is heaven. And isn't that, isn't that what Scrooge would want? A safer place to put all of his stuff? And isn't that what any investor would want? And isn't that what we would want? A safer place where thieves won't break in and steal? Where moths won't eat it? Where rust won't cause it to dissolve? And then further, you can invest in that which will last and fulfill. And Scrooge needed to know that. You can invest in that which will last and fulfill. 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, 1 Timothy 6, 17, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. At, at the end of A Christmas Carol, we see a transformed Scrooge after encounters with three spirits on Christmas Eve, he is basically given a, a second chance at, at life. Listen to this transformation. He went to church and walked about the streets and watched the people hurrying to and fro and patted children on, on the head and questioned beggars and looked down into the kitchen of houses and up to the windows and found that everything could yield him pleasure. He had never dreamed that any walk, that anything could give him so much happiness. So what was the source of this transformation? He gained an eternal perspective. Oh, we don't see the, the uh, clear Christian message. But there is a transformation, and he began to look through this supernatural intervention. He was allowed to see his past and his present and his not-yet-determined uh, future through the eyes of eternity. And Scrooge was absolutely giddy. People laughed at him, didn't understand him. But he didn't care because he finally had joy. So here, here's the key to remember because it's, it's what we could call the paradox of the kingdom. When you give away to others, to God's kingdom, and then you are really investing 
And that's when you receive rewards. When you give things away, that's when you receive reward. So the reality is that which is most giving and helpful to other people is in our best interest. Jim Elliott was a missionary who was martyred for the faith. Many of you would know of his story, but, but listen to what he wrote in his journal. He said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You may think for a moment, well, that's Jim Elliott. He's the missionary type, and he's, of course, he's going to want to give everything and give everything away. But listen to his statement. He's not talking about just giving away. What's his motivation here? It's gain. That's the paradox of the kingdom. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He wants to gain. But he wants to gain that which is eternal. Remember what Jesus said. For where your treasure is, this is 621 in Matthew, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now I want you to notice carefully the wording of what Jesus said. Because this is different than what sometimes people say. He doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. It starts by talking about where your treasure is. And it indicates wherever your treasure is, wherever you're going to put it, your heart's going to follow. So, if your treasure is investing in this world, in things that are temporary, then that's where your heart's going to go. And your heart is going to stay invested in this world and ultimately, it's in the world where things are destroyed, where thieves break in and steal, where moth and rust corrupts. But if instead, your treasure is invested in eternal things, it will transform you from being so tied to this world that, that whether uh, your life is enjoyable or not, whether you have joy or not, cannot be determined by what this world is throwing at you. And that's what Jim Elliott was saying. With giving to God, it's a question of lordship. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. This is who you need, and this is who we need. 
for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. That's who we need. Let's bow together. Lord, as we enter into this Advent season, that so quickly wants to drag us to the material, will you help us to enjoy all good things because they come from you, but not to be slaves to them, not to be pressured by them, And then, Lord, will you help us, especially in this season, to invest in that which is eternal. What we need is Jesus. Will you give him to us more and more? And we pray this in his name. Amen.